Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. And on today's episode, we have Catherine. Catherine is a wife, mother, homemaker, and passionate birth enthusiast whose pregnancies and birth have shaped who she is and the goals she is working towards. Catherine shares that her deepest belief surrounding pregnancy and birth is that peaceful birth can truly change the world. And I hope you all enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jaden. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So wherever you would like to begin your stories, please share. Okay, so I think my story, like a lot of people, it starts where I was born, when I was born. Um, I was my mom's second home birth, her fourth child. So she had gone from a horrible hospital birth with my oldest sister another just like traumatic but fast experience with my second and then decided to stay home with my brother myself and my little sister um but with me she went a step further and uh, like asked for zero intervention she um with my first three siblings she asked like they had all decided Pitocin was necessary and every step of the way was nitpicked but then with me even at home, she decided like, no, I want this process to be as natural as possible. Don't touch me, like, let me do my thing. And so that inevitably meant it lasted for ages, she said. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, I think it truly influenced my path because like I, it's just crazy. So how it all then works out. So then um, it come to like my husband and I, we tried for like two years to get pregnant. Um, so I'm starting with Olivia, my first, she will be four in a month. Um, so we tried for two and a half years to get pregnant and, or two, two years and had two miscarriages. Um, and that was like in the thick of nursing school and very inundated it's yeah in nursing school I was like I'm never I couldn't even imagine where I am now Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I just totally trusted the medical model I I saw myself maybe one day having a home birth maybe one day trying these things but I was Mm -hmm. actually in Flagstaff and knew nothing of indie birth Mm -hmm. um and so all through that and then so it took two and a half years, two miscarriages. And we unexpectedly, like after just the two miscarriages, I was devastated, but then got pregnant with Olivia in um, March of 2017. Um, 
And my pregnancy with her was as smooth as a first pregnancy could be. I mean, I was like blissfully unaware. Um, I was pretty sick in the beginning and I was working full time as a labor and delivery nurse. Um, and through her pregnancy, because I was doing my own research, like for my, what I wanted as a nurse, my life was changing. Um, but I decided to go with, uh, a doctor, but at a separate hospital from where I worked, I didn't want the nurses to be in my business. And I didn't really honestly trust any of the doctors I worked with. Mm -hmm. Um, but I came by this doctor who was, he had helped me through my second miscarriage and he was very well recommended by multiple people in my area. And so I thought that I could totally trust him. Um, so through my pregnancy, I just, I was trying to take as much responsibility for my pregnancy as I could. But every time I would like talk to my doctor about it, he would be like, okay, sure. But there was always an underlining, like, why are you doing, why are you taking this much responsibility? Um, which I don't know, maybe I read into it, maybe I didn't, but I, it never felt fully supported in me being responsible for my own pregnancy and wanting an unmedicated hospital birth. Um, so as we got closer and closer to birth, I kept telling my husband, like, I just, I wanna stay home. I really wanna stay home. I don't think the hospital is the right choice, um, but I'm scared. I was scared to stay home because that first baby mentality, I don't know what we're getting into. and. And he, my husband very much wanted to be in the hospital mm -hmm. um, because of the first baby time. Um, and I think it was a lesson for both of us to learn to trust each other. Um, so my due date was December 25th, but from the beginning, I thought that was a week early. Um, I knew exactly when I ovulated and as close to conception as like you can know, um, but ultrasound showed an ultrasound matched up with, um, my idea of a due date, December 30th, mm -hmm. but my doctor, because of my period, he went with December 25th. So mm -hmm. like in the medical world, six days makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, and I told him from my doctor from the beginning, like, I don't want an induction. If anything, I'm not going to consider it till 42 weeks, blah, blah, blah. Well, meanwhile, I'm also working as a labor and delivery nurse. The whole time nurse is joking, telling me like, oh, that natural mama, she's always the one to, that ends up with a C-section. So that my whole pregnancy, I'm being told like what I should expect for better or worse. Um, so as we approach my due date, it comes and it goes as it usually does for first time mom, especially. Um, and at my 40 week appointment, my doctor, I honestly can't remember if he even asked or if I asked him, but I had my membrane swept and it was horrible. Mm. I mean, it like, 
since then I have had an, like, I had a membrane soup with my second that was completely consensual, like, so like the opposite end of the spectrum, but with my doctor, it, I don't want to call it right because I have never been, I've never experienced that. But for me, it was horrible. Um, my husband was standing next to me and he couldn't believe what happened. Um, and so that was just like an awful experience. And of course that sent me into like a few nights of prodromal labor, which got my hopes up, which like then as the days passed that I wasn't in labor, it like dampened my spirits even more. So then another week passed and everybody at work is like, oh my gosh, you're still pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to let my baby choose its birthday, um, which was just made a mockery of me, it felt. Um, so then come my 41 week appointment, which was like right on 41 weeks, I think. I was just devastated. I mean, I was working full time. I was exhausted from nights of forced labor or prodromal labor because of the membrane sweep. Um, all of the stress of work, people telling me I was going too late. Um, when I showed up to my 41 week appointment, I was like, what am I supposed to do here? And he's like, well, just get induced. He was like, I mean, you're past 41 weeks. There's no reason to not be induced. Like just get it done and over with. And like in my heart, I was like, that's not it. That's not the answer I need. I need like a hug and a, this is really hard, but you can do it. Yeah. Um, so we went home and like, again, my doctor didn't force me, but he didn't encourage me. <laughs> um, so we went home and he said, just give me a call on what you decide. So my husband and I talked about it. We prayed about it. And Ultimately, I let myself convince myself that I needed to be induced. Um, so when I called my doctor the next day, I was like, if I'm not in labor by Friday, and this was Tuesday, if I'm not in labor by Friday, I'll come in for an induction. And I got off the phone and I sobbed like a baby. I was like, I'm going to have a C-section. If I go in for this induction, I'm going to have a C-section. Which I mean, like... <laughs> how did I know that? I don't know, but it was just the feeling and I should have listened and I should have called the midwife in my area and talked to her and been like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't. And so I went in Friday morning with not a lick of labor. I mean, I was having like irregular contractions, but it was nothing. Like I clearly, my baby was perfectly happy inside of me and there's no reason to go in, but I did. And we started the induction at like eight o'clock in the morning with a Foley balloon. Um, and as a nurse, I had seen moms have their balloons put in overnight and then they slept with them um, because it can be such a long process. And that's just not like how my doctor's schedule worked out. So... Catherine, would you mind very briefly just explaining, um, just for listeners who don't know what a, what a Foley balloon is? Yes. So it is a mechanical opening of the cervix. They, um, the doctor puts in like a tube that has a balloon, two balloons. One balloon sits inside of your cervix against the amniotic wall 
and one sits on the outside of the cervix in the vagina so that as the balloon is inflated, it mechanically opens the cervix. Wow. Um, which for some women, it is not, it, they claim it's not painful at all. Um, it's just pressure for some women. It's like excruciating full on contractions. They ask for an epidural because of it. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no, there's no buildup from going from zero to five centimeters. Like it's just forced upon right. you. Mm -hmm. Um, so my physical experience was I immediately started getting contractions, like not just, um, Braxton Hicks or period like cramps. It was like full on contractions that, I mean, they obviously weren't like transitional contractions, but they were like, I had to breathe. I needed my husband's support. Um, and that lasted a solid two hours. Um, and then it, they all just like pittered away. And my doctor had told me, if they start going down, let me know, because that means your cervix, that the balloon is through your cervix. And I, I mean, in my experience as a nurse, I was like, there's no way it can happen in two hours. Like these things take like eight to 12 hours to get to full dilation uh, or not full dilation, but like four to five centimeters. Mm -hmm. um, so I called my nurse and that he, she called the doctor and he came in and I was already five centimeters. So it only took two hours to go from like probably two ish centimeters to mechanically open five centimeters, mm. um, which we all were like, Oh my gosh, it's so great. Like labor's moving right along. Woohoo. Um, mm. but when you don't have the natural hormones in place, everything stopped. Like it didn't, it didn't keep up the pace. So then my doctor's mm. like, well, let's do Pitocin. Mm. And I was like, Pitocin's the worst. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't want another intervention, but I mean, I was already there. So I was like, what the hell? Let's just, you know, get on the train. Um, so he started Pitocin and he respected my wish of keeping it low, um, like starting it low and slow. But meanwhile, like he just kept rolling his eyes saying, well, if you keep it slow, you're just going to have to build up momentum later. Like just get it cranking, you know, and I was just like, that's not how it should work. Yeah, no. Um, no way. So then by six o'clock Friday night, um, I had had hardly any contractions that took my breath away again. So he came in and he's like, well, we got to get things going. So let's break your water. And I was like, okay. And like, I just, I couldn't say no. I didn't know how I didn't have support. I didn't have a doula. My husband was of course supportive, but he didn't know the system. He didn't know how right. to help me other than like, just be my person there. Yeah. Um, so then once he broke my water, that really got things rolling and um, I was on the birth ball and my husband was rubbing my back and we were listening to church music and like, it was flowing, it was working and it was going along. But I mean, Pitocin contractions, you don't really get a break. Mm -hmm. They don't rev up and, and calm down. It's not now that I know what a natural contraction feels like. It's like 
it's a hundred percent for the entire 90 seconds. And then you get a 30 second break and then you're right back at it again. Um, so I was exhausted. My doctor came in. No, no, no. So it was like around midnight that I was like, oh, I think I'm feeling some pressure. Something's changing. Let's have my doctor come in. And he checked me and I was like six to seven, but baby was super posterior um, or my cervix was super posterior. Um, and I was like, well, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm really tired. Can I just have something to take the edge off of it? And he's like, no, you need an epidural. And I said, I don't want an epidural right now. I don't feel like I need an epidural. I just need to rest for like an hour and then I can get back to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so he said, okay, fine. You can have IV medication, which I should have picked the epidural because the IV medication sucked. (laughs) It sent me into this like drug craze, psychedelic dreamland, um, Mm. for a couple hours that I couldn't move if I wanted to. Yeah. And it was just like dancing images in front of my face. I was out of this world. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, Do you know what was in it? What was in the IV medication? Yeah, it was Stadol and Benadryl. Okay. So. Interesting. And I'm just not like, I can't even take Benadryl on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. I just had a horrible reaction to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I did get some hours sleep. But then when I woke up at like 6 a.m., I think everything had stopped. Mm. They had continued with the Pitocin, but like something had happened in my body that was just like, Mm-mm, this isn't working. <laughs> so I went to the bathroom. I was up and walking and I came out of the bathroom to my doctor sitting in a chair, my husband asleep on the couch. And he said, you know what time it is. And I was like, what? And he said, it's time for a C-section. And I said, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, we've been doing this for like 24 hours and half of that hasn't even been like anything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, well, you failed to progress. Nothing's happening. And I was like, okay, hold up. You haven't checked me in hours. And like, baby's not in distress. I'm not in distress. Why on earth do I have to have a C-section right now. And he's like, well, it's either a C-section or it's either an epidural right now. And we crank up the Pitocin or it's a C-section. <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay. I guess I'll get an epidural then. Like, wow. I, I mean, I was just so defeated. Like at that point I was done. I was, I was like, I'm having a C-section. And so I literally, as they were prepping me for the epidural that took four hours to come, like if things were emergent, they would happen really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it took four hours for me to get that epidural. Um, and I know this process because I, I was a nurse. I knew exactly how things needed to go. Um, and my nurse was incompetent. And I hate to say that because I know that nursing is hard. Mm-hmm. Personally, I know it. Um, mm-hmm. But she refused to take care of me. Um, she refused to follow the doctor's orders. And so finally, by the time my epidural was in place, I was a blubbering mess. Um, I could hardly keep my head under control. 
And once the epidural was in place, I fell asleep for a few hours and woke up and started crying because I couldn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in my body anymore. And I just looked at my husband and I was like, how did this happen? Like, how are we here? This isn't going at all the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but my doctor came in a bit later and he checked me and I was eight and we were like, okay, cool. So that is a change that like, I was six to seven for like, I don't know, 12 plus hours. Um, but now I'm eight and this is great. And, um, but he's like, yeah, but that's really not that it's not good enough progress. Your baby is still posterior and your cervix isn't anterior enough. And I was like, but I'm eight and I'm completely thinned out. Like, and the baby's fine. And I'm fine. Like, why can't we just keep going? And he's like, okay, well, we can keep going, but, but really he already like had the scalpel on the table, you know? Yeah. Um, and I already had the scalpel in my head because it was like, I had seen so many moms go down the same exact path. Mm -hmm. Um, I called my sister at one point for some encouragement because she had had four children and stopped stalled at seven with all of them but her stalls were like a two-hour stall mm -hmm. she got off pitocin and then had a baby mm -hmm. um so when I talked to her she was so sweet but again she wasn't that like um she wasn't that voice of reason she was just like well if you have a c-section you can have your baby in your arms in like an hour and not mm -hmm. have to go through any more turmoil and, you know, I wish I had had a doula who was like, let me help you into this position. Let's try that position. Let's tr ask to stop everything and get in the shower. Mm -hmm. Let's like, you know, and I didn't have that. Um, so then come four o'clock for 34 hours. My doctor came in and he's like, well, what, what are we doing? And I looked at my husband and I said, I guess we're having a C-section because I was on like the highest dose of Pitocin. Mm -hmm. Nothing was changing. Nothing was changing. Mm -hmm. um, and the epidural wasn't working anymore. So he's like, well, okay, time for a C-section. So they prepped me, whisked me off. And I was like, it was an out of, out of body experience, like being the person on on the table. Um, I, I like, because of all the medication, I was sleepy. I could hardly breathe. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's like the weight of everything was so heavy. Um, and not being the person to pull my daughter onto my chest after two years of trying, after losing two babies like I just I couldn't in the moment see the lesson at all I it was it was devastating mm. nevertheless she was she was pulled out and showed to me and she looked exactly like I had dreamed her for months apart from her poor little molded head mm. <laughs> um but she screamed she was perfect um and my then you know, that hour passed and my husband was with her. And then when she came to me, 
I was in recovery and she went on my chest and she nursed perfectly. I mean, mm-hmm. despite all of the interruptions, despite mm-hmm. all of the crap that happened, we were together and like she nursed perfect and pretty much the rest is history. I mean, postpartum was challenging um, be, as a first time mom. Like I didn't have family around and nursing was really hard in the beginning, but like I had such a group of people in my community that with even without family, it was a beautiful postpartum, apart from the fact that I had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that's like a huge part of my story is because because of Olivia's birth being what it was, it changed my whole life. I couldn't work for the system anymore. After seeing how it had treated me, and I know there are beautiful hospitals out there. I know there are great doctors. I know there are fantastic nurses, but it was just like, yeah, it just changed my whole life. So I worked for eight months and then ended up stop. Um, I couldn't work at the hospital anymore. Um, and I went home and stayed with, stayed home with Olivia. So the postpartum was challenging because of working. Um, but she was finally there and she was my whole world. I mean, she was my, my girl, um, Mm. hardly tolerated my husband, (laughs) but, but she, she was great. Um, so then that moves into my next one. Um, after two years of trying, we fully expected it to take a long time to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, so when my cycle came back at like 10 months postpartum, I was like, okay, cool. This is great. Um, I was just starting to get to know more about, um, fertility awareness method mm-hmm. and just like treading my cycles and everything. Um, so when I had my first like fertile cycle, no, I think it was like my second or third. I told my husband and I was like, I don't think anything's going to come of this, but just so you know, like, this is what's happening right now. And that first time I got pregnant and we were both completely shocked. Um, but it just works. It like, it, it opened the floodgates of my fertility to have a healthy pregnancy. Um, and then I was pregnant with my second and my due date was early December of 2019. So Olivia was born January of 2018 and Miriam, my second came December of 2019. Mm. Um, her pregnancy was good apart from the fact that it, I was so uncomfortable, like from 13 weeks, I had the worst pubic symphysis pain. My mm. back just felt always in so much pain. And I was having regular chiropractic care with Miriam, my second, mm-hmm. whereas with my first, I didn't start going to chiropractic care till the very last month of pregnancy. Okay. I just didn't know it was an option. Um, but then with Miriam, I was getting regular um, adjustments. I was eating really, really well. I was really trying to follow the brewer diet. Like it felt so different from Olivia's pregnancy where I was like working full-time as a nurse where I was eating as well as I could, but heart, not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Then with Miriam, I was like so healthy and exercising and taking care of my two, my toddler. And, but I was, 
so uncomfortable. Um, but this time I knew from the beginning, I wanted things different in my, in my prenatal care. Um, initially when I got pregnant, I wanted to free birth because I just couldn't imagine inviting anybody into my space ever again. I knew I was staying home. As soon as I, Olivia came out of my body, I was like, no, I'm never coming back to a hospital. I'm never seeing a doctor. This is, it just, that was like firm in my mind. But as soon as I was a few weeks into Miriam's pregnancy, I really needed a hug. I needed a woman's presence and I needed I just, I needed support. I needed to feel validated in such a, a time in my life that like, you know, everybody, we, we should have support in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily there was one midwife in our area that was highly recommended. And I made an appointment with her And from the first meeting, we hit it off. Um, I felt like I, she's like, so what do you want? What do you, do you have any questions for me? What do you, what do you need from me? And I was like, I just need to be loved. She's like, well, I can do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, but do you have any questions in like my care and you know how the process goes in my practice? And I said, no, no, I think I'll be (laughs) fine. Like I, I was like, I'll take responsibility for everything. I don't really want any tests done. Um, I might get the 20 week ultrasound, but I don't want to just be on a conveyor belt of pregnant ladies. She's like, yeah, we can totally do that. And it it wasn't, it wasn't the, yeah, we can totally do that of the doctor who had a role in his eye and a, what are you doing? You crazy woman. Mm -hmm. But it was a, yeah, we can totally do that. Like, why wouldn't you be in charge? And I'm here to support you. Um, and what she said was, I'm just your lifeguard. You probably won't need me, but I'm there just in case. And at mm-hmm. that point in my life, I was like, okay, like that's, that's what I need. Um, so the whole pregnancy, I felt great with her. Um, and apart from all of the things, you know, I said about the pain of that pregnancy, it was, it went fine. Um, we did anticipate me going late because Olivia went over um but then come to that pregnant the end of that pregnancy it was um the due date came and went and then another week and at my 41 week appointment I went into the office and my midwife was getting out all the things for a membrane sweep And she was just talking to me and we had previously talked about a membrane sweep as a possibility if I felt like it was necessary, Mm -hmm. but she definitely had, even though she wasn't like withholding to any state regulations, she still had the idea that 42 weeks was like the day. Um, Not that she would have released me from care, but that in an ideal and normal pregnancy babies need to come before 42 weeks Mm. which at that time in my life it was fine um yeah it just is what it is you know for for who I was then um Mm. 
so when I went into my 41 week appointment and she had everything set up for the membrane sweep, I did have an initial, like, are you even going to ask what I think about this? And she did. <laughs> and so then it was like, okay. So we were able to talk about everything and, um, and I did consent to a membrane sweep. Um, I had had a few days of really good intentional prayer and um, just like, what do I need out of the end of this pregnancy? Um, I had gone on multiple dates with my husband, lots of time with my daughter. And so approaching that appointment, it, it felt like, why would, if it's going to work, it'll work. If it's not going to work, it's not going to hurt anything. Mm -hmm. um, and with full consent and with a loving midwife, it was a very different situation than my first. Um, so I, with, I had the membrane sweep and I went home. That was 41 weeks and four days. Um, and I immediately went into early labor, like consistent five to 10 minute apart, not just Braxton Hicks. I had a friend over and we chatted. Um, she had had her baby with the same midwife two months earlier. So um, we were just, you know, talking that afternoon and I went to bed without that like, horrible, am I going to be pregnant another day feeling? It was just like, mm -hmm. I was at peace. It was okay with where I was at. Mm -hmm. um, and that early contraction stuff lasted through the night. And um, when I woke up in the morning, it was still there, which had never happened. You know, all the other early stuff, it goes away. And this one did it. And so my daughter came into our bed like she did every morning and she nursed, um, which she had been doing the whole pregnancy. But what was so different that morning was like, she just kept nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing. And of course that kicked me into full active labor, um, which was great. It was so exciting to finally be in natural, real labor in my house without anybody telling me like, what to do but at the same time it was also like I felt like a first-time mom because of Olivia's it was all induced and I had no idea the natural process so my husband kind of freaked out and he whisked my daughter off to our friend's house which we had agreed upon earlier and talked about mm -hmm. um and I was at home with these early active contractions um, just working through them and, you know, hindsight 2020, I should have just hopped in the shower and they would have chilled out a little bit and we could have probably gone on with our day more. Um, but I definitely like got a little scared, called my midwife, was like, what's happening? <laughs> and she's like, well, I mean, it is your second pregnancy. So things could be moving a little bit faster. I'll get dressed and take a shower and eat a meal. So she totally knew that things weren't happening as fast as I thought they were. Mm -hmm. And then she came a few hours later. By the time she showed up, um, Colin, my husband and I had gotten into a really good groove and we were just working through them. And she showed up and 
she asked to check me so that she could let her assistant know if she should get on the road or not. And I uh, consented. Um, and I was only like four and a half centimeters. Mm-hmm. So immediately I was like, okay, that's cool. I mean, a lot of change, but at the same time, I'm not an active, like full blown, going to have a baby layer yet. Um, but I think I was like blissfully, I was just so thankful to be home that I, I didn't overanalyze it. It was just like, okay, we're just going to keep going. And my midwife left me alone. She did her own thing. My husband and I just were in the groove for a few hours and um, they got the birth pool already. And my midwife said, you know, let's not get in the birth pool until like, you feel like you can't go without it anymore, which I was, which was good for me mm-hmm. because then like one o'clock hit. So I started at eight, one o'clock hit and I was in tears and I like, I was tired and it was hard. And so then I went downstairs and got in the tub and immediately just felt the most beautiful relief of my life, had a smile on my face again. And then for the next few hours, hardly felt the contractions. I mean, they were still so consistent. Um, I checked myself at one point and was like a solid six to seven. So I was like, oh, great. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. And nobody was telling me I couldn't. Like I felt I wanted to do it. So Mm -hmm. I did it. Yeah, Um, totally. And my midwife was like, okay, cool. That's great. So yeah, we were just grooving. I was like geeking out with my midwife in the birth pool, talking about how much I loved labor and how I can't wait to be a midwife one day if that's how it works out. And, mm. um, and it was just great because it was Christmas time as well. So I was in front of my Christmas tree and we were listening to music and it was just beautiful. It was everything I wanted it to be at that point. Um, around seven, no, yeah, around seven, my daughter came home from a friend's house to go to bed and she saw the pool and immediately got in. Mm. And so I had like 25 minutes with my first baby and the contractions slowed down as just perfectly. Um, and she still talks about getting in the birth pool for, for that. Mm. Um, that's beautiful. And then when my husband, yeah, it was so cool. We have a picture of it and everything. It was really, really great. Um, so when my husband was putting her to bed, I was like, okay, body, it's time. Like, we've been doing this a long time. Like, let's rev things up. Because <laughs> um, at that point, it had been about 12 hours. And the whole time I was trying not to give myself, like, a time frame. But I certainly was thinking, like, it has to happen before midnight, right? Um, so then as we approached closer and closer to midnight, things were getting really hard. They're getting good and strong and intense. And I was trying so hard to like be present and in it and, you know, but I was having really strong back labor. Um, and it was like around 11 o'clock that I was like, okay, something's got to give. I, I don't know what to do now. Um, and so I talked to my midwife and like, after, and this was like 
through this whole process. I'm getting in and out of the tub. I'm moving how I want. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm supported by the people I love, you know? So it felt very natural to ask for help at that point. And I feel like that was the purpose of having her there was I needed external validation on like what was happening. Mm-hmm. So she did check me and I was an eight, but the baby's head was not fully applied to my cervix. Um, and because of my back labor, she suspected like a posterior presentation um, and suggested doing some like spinning babies moves mm-hmm. to try to help baby into a more ideal position. Um, and I was really scared to do those because I knew how, or I expected them to be super, super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's like, okay, well, you know, take your time. This is just something that we can do if you want to do it. And it took me a lot of time to convince myself to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So she, once I did, she walked me through three moves. Uh, One, I was in hands and knees on my couch and with my bum up in the air through the contractions. And then in the breaks of the contractions, she did like what she called a shake the apple tree, where she like shook my hips um, to try to help the baby like shake out of my pelvis so that it could, the baby's back would be on my belly, you know, Mm. to like help the baby shift. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was intense. I actually ended up vomiting through that, all the food that I had eaten earlier. Oh Oh, no. (laughs) Um, but you know, like in the back of my head, I was like, Oh, that's a good sign. Right. Like I'm throwing up right now. (laughs) (laughs) So and it was, it was really excruciating. And actually it was really powerful because I realized that in that, in the moments where I let myself think, oh my gosh, this sucks so bad. The pain was like 10,000 times worse than when I thought, no, I can do this. This is really hard, but I can do this. Mm-hmm. And it still was very intense, but at least it was more manageable. It didn't feel like, you know, I was ripping right open. Um, so then the next move was my midwife held my belly up and in through contractions, another, like, just to get the baby to align up onto the cervix. Mm -hmm. And then the third was I laid on my back with my feet dangling off a table. And this sounds so archaic as I'm talking about it, truly, (laughs) but after it all happened, (laughs) She checked me and I was nine centimeters with a bulging bag and I got into the pool and immediately hit transition. Like nobody could touch me. Nobody could do anything. Mm -hmm. I was just in this like world of my own that I really, it was that path that we all have to walk by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and I did to the extent that my husband fell asleep on the couch And my midwives took a little rest and just like everybody took their hands off me. And for the whole time from one o'clock in the morning to two o'clock, I 
with one contraction at a time was like, okay, one contraction closer to two. At two, I'll ask her to break my water. Because yeah, it was just still that like intervention heavy mind. Um, and with each contraction, it was like more and more and more intense. And finally at two o'clock, the assistant midwife came over and she checked heart tones. And I had this whopper of a contraction that it felt like ripped me wide open. And at the end of it, I felt this huge pop. And in the moment, I didn't realize it was my water opening. Um, but afterwards, the next contraction, it was like a freight train hurled through me. And I was pushing without knowing that I needed to push. Mm -hmm. And again, it was like, like a little geek out moment in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, my body's doing this. Like, it was so cool to just like be present and in the moment and feel everything as intense and agonizing as it was. It was like, it was just happening. And I was there and it was happening. And I was so thankful that I could feel everything. Mm -hmm. um, and with the, um, pushing all of the pain of the contractions went away which was amazing um and I just got in this zone of pushing and it was like I felt like a warrior and I was in the pool and I was holding my husband's hand and like on hands and knees um pushing with him and at one point like I it was just so funny how like in the zone I was because mm -hmm. then at one point I burped and my midwife kind of chuckled and she's like, well, if you weren't drinking the pool water, because I had my face in the water, if you weren't drinking the pool water, you wouldn't burp. And I was like, I'm not drinking the water. And got like so serious. <laughs> you know, she's just trying to lighten the heaviness of it all because like, you know, it's so intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then it took about 40, 40 minutes. And with each push, like as my daughter's head got closer and closer. My hand was on my vagina and like just slowly helping everything open. And it is like, I knew exactly what to do without ever knowing that I knew to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so she like slowly came out, came out, came out. And I, at one point told my midwife, okay, her head is out. So they started their clock. But I don't think her head was fully out when I told them that because I wasn't sure of everything I was feeling. So a couple minutes passed. Um, I think like three-ish minutes passed. And they, you know, they got really nervous. I felt like everything's totally fine. Like I'm just waiting for a contraction. Every indie birth story that I'd ever heard was like in my head right there. I was like, I feel fine. My baby's fine. Mm -hmm. But my midwives who I invited into my space to be present and be aware were like, can we get you out of the pool? And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I, I was like, okay, whatever, this is fine. I got out of the pool and she was like, okay, either a squat or a lunge. And I immediately took a lunge on my floor, um, which the whole pregnancy I had envisioned birthing her in a lunge, but I didn't know how that was ever going to happen mm -hmm. in the pool. Like it just didn't feel like it would happen in the pool if it was 
supposed to happen that way. And I took this lunge and I roared her out. Like I got this contraction. I, you can't even remake that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I roared her into the world and immediately, um, Um, immediately I said, give me my baby. Mm. And she was like, obviously handing her to me, like would never keep her from me. Um, and my first thought was not, oh, my sweet baby's in my arms. My first thought was, oh my gosh, you are so heavy. (laughs) little did I know um so we didn't know the sex of um the sex of the baby so immediately my husband is like what is it what is it and my midwives are scrambling because we weren't intending a land birth so my waters were like everywhere and they were trying to clean up and so it was pretty hectic at that point but I was like all consumed with kissing this baby in my arms. And finally, like after my husband screaming at me, I checked and it was a girl. And, and for like all of, you know, the pregnancy, I wondered how could you possibly love another baby after you love your firstborn so much? Mm-hmm. And immediately, like my heart just opened again and it didn't make any sense, but it was like, I love you just as much. And in just a different way, than your sister. Um, and it was perfect. My, one of the midwives, she was like, you did it. You got your home birth after your, your, after your C-section. And I was like, yeah, I fucking did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. And, um, it like I, the whole, the whole labor, I didn't think about what I was doing. It was just so perfect. Like, it never even occurred to me that I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing that. So many women are told you can't do this, um, after having a C-section, but it was like, I did it. Mm-hmm. I had my home birth. And then the biggest like cherry on top of all of it was that when we finally got to weighing her, she was 10 pounds, six ounces. Um, Whereas my first was only eight pounds, 13 ounces. So she was a pound and a half bigger and my V-back. And it was just like all of my prayers had been answered because I like secretly wanted her to be big because I wanted to prove to like everybody and myself that I could have a baby out of my vagina. (laughs) Um, And so when they said 10 pounds, six ounces, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And her yeah, it was just great. Like I was on the couch and I was eating ice cream and I was nursing my baby and she was mm. roaring and nobody was telling us to do anything other than like love our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just high. I was high on life. I'm like, even talking about it now is like, I feel all those beautiful feelings. Um, mm. and it instilled in me, like I was just made so perfectly. I was made so perfectly to do something so natural. And it was hard. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just perfect. Um, 
so that's Miriam. Mm-hmm. Miriam, and and the funny thing is, like, she was roared into the world, and she has not stopped roaring since. Like, she is the loudest <laughs> kid. She has so much spunk. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's just so funny. Um, so then she was born 2019, and then of course we all know what happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole world changed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So that was a very interesting year with her. And I kind of feel like I was robbed of a lot of her first year because of everything that was happening in the world. Yeah. Um, even though we spent even more time at home than we already do as like a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of bitter like that first, not bitter, because of her, but just because of like, my mind was so elsewhere. I was also going through my husband's, he graduated from his master's degree and we moved and it was just like a whole host of transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, first year of life. If, if you don't mind me asking, so you weren't working at all in the hospital. Um, during, okay, no. cool. Okay. No, I stopped completely. Okay. Um, after Olivia's birth. Okay. Well, after she was eight months old when I stopped, um, which was great. So then staying home with both of the girls was awesome. So then mm-hmm. 2020, my husband graduated. We moved to a new um, state. And all through that year, I was just like, you know, living life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never ever had signs of my fertility coming back. And I was like, okay, so she just nurses a ton. Like she nursed so much more than Olivia. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Then a year postpartum and no sign of my fertility coming back. I'm like, okay, like we're just going to keep on going. Um, and we decided to not, um, use any birth control and, only just do like fertility awareness, but like when you don't have any signs, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So then finally, as I did start getting some signs back, I was like, oh, but it's been happening for like six weeks. Like this can't actually be my fertility back, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, honey, just so you're aware, this is happening. And he's like, it'll be fine. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, this is fine. And then of course, <laughs> two weeks later, he wakes up from a nap and I'm like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Never got a period. <laughs> and and uh, in his, he has, was going through like the hardest month in his, in his work, um, like tons of transitional hardship. Um, and so then to slap on like this, not unexpected pregnancy, but just like sooner than we expected pregnancy, Mm -hmm. especially still with the whole mindset of like, oh my gosh, it was so hard to get pregnant the first time. And then two and three were so easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but then now with him in my arms, it's not surprising at all because I really did feel him like talking to me even before I was hoping to be pregnant um I 
my, my daughter, my oldest, she was asking for a sister. And I was like, well, I don't know. I really just, I don't know about a sister. And the name David was just everywhere around me. Mm. So when I got pregnant, it was shocking, but at the same time, it was just like, well, this is just my life and this feels right. And um, I was excited, honestly, from the first time I peed on the pregnancy stick, I was like, I get to go into labor again. I get to have another baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really beautiful. Um, but I was terrified to find a midwife. Um, I didn't want to go through the whole process again of being vulnerable and sharing my story. I didn't want to have to justify any of my choices. I didn't want to have to go through the gambit and go through the system. I was like, I just, yeah, I just didn't want to deal with that. But I, again, wanted to be supported. I needed somebody other than my husband to be present with me. Um, so it took me, um, through my first trimester, like I just kept delaying and, and not a big deal because I didn't do any testing. So I was like, there's nothing to do in the first trimester. Um, and so I just kept researching and praying and hoping that I would find the midwife that was, I was supposed to find. Um, and at 15 weeks, I was like, okay, honey, I'm going to call. I'm going to, I'm going to call this one midwife. She's the only one I feel good about. And I'll, I'll give her a try. And she answered and we immediately hit it off, like talked for a straight hour on the phone. Not even like, (laughs) I just laid everything out for her. I was like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Can you do this for me? And she was like, yeah, you're the mom. You get to choose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Now, blah, 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 blah. Like, I just asked every single question. I was like, I am not hiding anything here. I'm not going to go into the end of this, not expecting, or I just wanted everything on the table. And so it worked out. And the whole pregnancy was beautiful. We had such a great relationship, um, my midwife and I. And my pregnancy with my son was awesome. Like I had so much energy. I had a little bit of nausea in the beginning, but it was like here a day, gone for three or four days. And then, you know, it it, it wasn't that bad. Like the girls, it was awful. Um, I had a great appetite. I was eating really well my, it felt like 180 degree difference from the girls. But in my head, I was like, it can't be a boy. Like I just, I have two girls already. Pregnancies are just all different. So uh, this is fine. Mm -hmm. And the whole pregnancy I went along and everybody said, you're having a boy. Um, And I was like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, like I'm having dreams of boys. I'm seeing boy everywhere I'm seeing the name David and um but just trying to like be in the moment process like not expect anything um but his pregnancy was beautiful it was such a gift to have next to no no hardship really through it like I didn't get a a scan I didn't get a single test it was just like trusting the process Mm -hmm. um 
And with my midwife, because of Miriam, she came 13 days late. Um, she was like, okay, well, we'll just kind of expect, think that you'll probably go late. I'm like, okay. Um, but for some reason, even though I, in my head, I had had that thought the whole time, the emotional turmoil of the end of his pregnancy was intense. Mm. Um, it, it was so, so hard to just trust. <laughs> even though the whole time I was like, just trust the process. It's fine. Um, And so like the last like six weeks, basically, I was like, just stay in the moment, just be present. And the whole time I'm telling myself, this is the lesson you have to learn to be present and in the moment, like, don't look for tomorrow. Like, just be here where you are with your kids, with your husband. Um, and as the days and weeks went by, like everything was going so fast. I was like, this is fine. This is fine. Mm -hmm. his due date came and went as expected um and but unexpectedly it was emotionally exhausting I was crying like every day mm -hmm. I was finding myself like justifying um not justifying like feeling bad for still being pregnant like all of these like thoughts that I never really had with my second came back up with my third that I had experienced with my first. Um, so yeah, it was very, very emotional. I had nights of like almost labory Braxton Hicks contraction-y things. And like, I'm just thinking, okay, this is the third baby. This is normal. It's okay. But I couldn't get out of the emotional side of it. Like it was, it was exhausting that way. Um, so after 41 weeks, I was 41 and a half weeks. I was on the indie birth page and like just reaching out to all the moms who had their post-term babies. And I was like trying to find help with them. And um, my appointments with my midwife were so sweet and so encouraging. And she's like, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep riding until you, until either you go into labor or you say you need something different. Mm -hmm. um, and so we talked about options of like what she recommended. And I didn't want to sweep again. I didn't think that I needed to do that. It didn't mm -hmm. feel right. Um, and she supported me in that. Um, but she did talk to me about homeopathy. And I had started working with homeopathy in like the last year or so. So I really appreciated the work that it does. Um, so she said they do this regime of two uh, remedies that either help or do nothing. And that was the beauty that I found in it. Like with the homeopathy, it literally does nothing. And I like, in an ideal situation, I would have just kept waiting and waiting and waiting and mm -hmm. let everything go naturally. But I had this deadline in my head. My mom was scheduled to come. Um, and we scheduled her visit 
for 15 days past my due date, thinking she's never going to be there. She's never going to be at the baby's birth. Um, and then, of course, that little voice in the back of my head is like, well, maybe, maybe she'll be there. So as we get closer and closer to that 15 days, I was like, mom, I, I just don't see it. How could you be at the birth? Um, so I did, so she, she left the homeopathic remedy. My midwife left the homeopathic remedy with me. She's like, if you want to take it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. And you'll just keep staying pregnant. And then eventually you'll have your baby and it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So I woke up at 41 and five and nothing was happening. Nothing, you know, that I could feel. Um, and I was like, well, I'll just try the remedy. If it works, it works great. And I went through the day and it was just regular Braxton Hicks and more crying and just so hard. It was so hard. Um, and I don't know why, I really don't know why, but it definitely was the theme of the rest of the labor. Um, just that like heavy emotional turmoil of it. Um, so nothing happened at 41 and five on 41 and six, I tried the second remedy and I talked to my mom in the morning and I went for a long walk and my husband took the girls out to this fun fall festival and they were gone all morning. So I just had the house to myself and I, yeah, I went for a long walk. I talked to my mom and my sister and both of them were just like, we love you. We support you. There's no rush. There's no reason to stress. Don't worry about anything. Um, and by the afternoon of that day, things were more uncomfortable and more consistent. I talked to another sister and was like, oh, that one really took my attention. And, um, so it seemed like everything was happening and it was really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, by that evening I was making dinner and texting my midwife, like and the contractions are like five to 10 minutes apart. Oh, wait, now they're four to five minutes apart. Now they're three to four minutes apart. And this was happening really fast. And I was just swinging my hips through my kitchen and making dinner for my family. And again, just a very like exciting, this is a normal everyday thing. I love this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the, by the time the contractions were like two to three minutes apart, my midwife was like, do you want me to come? And I said, I don't know. I mean, they're not taking my, like they're taking my attention. They're taking, making me move, but they're not like the worst in the world. Um, but because of how fast everything had moved in that last hour, my husband was like, why don't you call her out? I'll get, we'll just hang out. We'll get the birth pool set up and it'll be fine. So midwives show up about 45 minutes later because they lived a bit away. Um, and my girls were dancing around the house, so excited for the baby to come. Um, and in the excitement of the midwives coming and the girls and the birth pool and everything, my contractions slowed down. Um, but we were all okay with it. You know, it was, 
it was like, this is totally normal. Like everything's distracting. I just need maybe some quiet and the girls will be in bed soon. Um, and it actually worked out so perfectly that my husband had taken them out earlier in the day because they were exhausted. So instead of staying up late because of the excitement, they knocked out right on time. And um, we were just all really relieved that they went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I expected things to keep going. And they didn't, they complete not completely stopped, but they would just like time down to maybe every eight to 10 minutes apart mm. instead of like the beautiful three to five minutes, you know, um, active labor, so strong and good. And so then like from eight to 11, I was pacing around the house and trying to keep things going and, um, oh, I'm running over, <laughs> um, Come 11 o'clock, I went into my room and my midwife followed me in a little later. And she was like, well, why don't you just rest? Let's, there you go. Mm. Let's, let's all just get some rest. Honor what's happening. Your body's saying slow down, so slow down. Um, so I rested for like an hour or so. Woke back up to more contractions and was like, hey, this is great. But then that was the rhythm. The rest of the night was just like, where are the contractions? And everything in my head, it was just another like, what felt like roadblock. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was doing something wrong. Like I was inconveniencing people for Mm -hmm. being at my house when nothing was happening. It was all slow and yeah, it was so unexpected to have those thoughts. Um, I certainly wouldn't have expected it. Um, Through the night, I checked myself once and I was six centimeters, which was great because I was open. But at the same time, like after the, all the lead up, I was like, I'm only six, but okay. Like, this is just Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, My midwife was so sweet the whole time. She's like, you don't have to do anything. Let's just keep, you know, like, what is it? What do you feel like you need to do? Do you feel like you need to change everything? And I did it. Um, But then after a couple more hours sleep, my four, almost four-year-old Olivia, she came out and woke up in the morning and she's like, mama, is the baby here? And the baby wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) and I was so sad (laughs) I I uh I held her and I was like no the baby's not here yet (laughs) um but then Miriam my second she came out and she asked to nurse which she had done the whole time so I was like oh maybe you'll kickstart things like your sister did for you (laughs) um and she did but then it was the same thing the whole rest of that day. It was like more intense, but still eight to 10 minutes apart all day long. Um, and just the constant emotional, like frustration of not understanding why I wasn't having the smooth 
going with the flow labor that I had with my second. Mm -hmm. At one point I went for a walk. My girls were taken out by some friends. Um, I went for a walk with a mid my midwife and we had a nice chat, but then I came home and I was like, I want to go to my chiropractor, which I never thought I would leave my house in the middle of labor, but I, I felt like I just needed to go to my chiropractor. So I left my house in the middle of labor and went to the chiropractor. And after that was having like intense, insane contractions, like everything was coming together so fast we got home my husband had the pool ready and then everything stopped again i got as soon as i got to the pool it all stopped again and it was yeah it like it just felt like another another slap in the face like what what am i doing wrong mm-hmm. um then yeah so just as the hours went on of this like are they coming are they not coming i really had to face some horrible not demons but just thoughts you know just really really rough thoughts that i didn't know i had mm-hmm. um and as the clock was ticking my mom's plane was landing Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, my mom's going to be home. My mom's going to be here soon. And I just don't see her being present at this birth. How is this going to work out? I can't have my girls here right now because of yada, yada, yada. Like, um, even though the whole time I had thought that they would be present, but I wasn't, I wasn't mentally able to have them there. Um, so then come like five o'clock in the evening, I'm in the birth school after doing this for 24 hours, after expecting my baby, because it's the third baby coming fast, you know, Mm -hmm. it didn't. Um, I asked my midwife, well, she, she recommended, she was like, well, like my other labor, I was having all this back labor. Um, she was like, why don't we try a homeopathic remedy that can do two things. It can assist baby. It can encourage baby into a more optimal position. And another side effect is like emotional turmoil, letdown. So (laughs) I was sitting in the pool sobbing, like rocking back and forth, working through all of these fears and thoughts and um, like shame pretty much. Mm all from Olivia's birth. Mm. And I was, I didn't know that I still had these thoughts. I didn't know. I still felt ashamed of choosing what I did in the moment that I thought I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I just, I felt like I had to do something and I asked for my water to be broken. And that felt shameful to me to ask for that help. Um, and yeah, it it was, it was like asking for help in something that I thought I could do perfectly all by myself. It was just very humbling, I think. Um, so she did end up breaking my water, but it didn't change anything. 
And I think that was my lesson. It was like, it didn't make me immediately have my baby, um, which I think that's what I was hoping for with, you know, after I had, after Miriam's water broke, I immediately started pushing and I had her and it made everything easier and it was something I could control. And so I had to do it. And that's what this whole labor felt like. It was like, I couldn't control anything. Mm -hmm. um, but after she broke my water, I stayed out of the pool for a while and then immediately went into actually like my favorite part because I was surrounded by these three people, my husband and the two midwives who were just so constant and so prayerful and so supportive without ever doing anything other than what I wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I just started chanting these mantras of like, I am not afraid. I can do this. I am open. I like every single good thing I could think of. I was chanting. Um, and it was so powerful. Um, and one thing I forgot to say was that when my midwife broke my water, she, I still had like just a ring of cervix, like hardly anything. And she was like, well, if you want, I could push the cervix back, like just slip it over the baby's head and you could have your baby right here, right now. And I was like, no, I like terrified, fear stricken, like panic. And she said, after the fact, like after I had the baby, that I went from a nice, a wide open nine to a constricted four. That, wow. That's how much fear, yeah. That's wow. how much fear influenced my, my cervix. Oh my god. And she was like, whoa, Catherine, you need to calm down. Like, let's get back. Let's center. Like, let's yeah. take a deep breath. Wow. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so that was real. That was a really good lesson. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Um, so then when I was going through that whole chanting, it, it's still so beautiful, just like how supported I was through that. Um, but then I immediately was like, I need to get back in the water. So I slid into the water without saying anything to anyone. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, okay, she's getting in the water. And then went into that like transitional, nobody can do anything for me. But it was very scary, actually. Um, it wasn't, yeah, at one point I like went through a contraction that like fear just rippled through me um, that I didn't know I had. Um, and then another, like something changed and one of my midwives just like gently said to me, like, I think that you can push now. Like, that sounds mm -hmm. like you're pushing. Why don't you give into that? Mm -hmm. Which I'm so happy she did because I didn't know what was happening. I like, in with that contraction, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but again, like once I started pushing, like all the, the pain went away, all the fear, it was just like, I know how to do this. And it was like three pushes to his head being out and another good strong push with a moment of, do I have to get out of the pool right now? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm having my baby right now. <laughs> um, and I just pushed him out and perfectly brought him up into my arms. Like I was in a half squat. So I was able to reach down and bring him up and in the water and start kissing him and loving him. And, mm -hmm. and when I saw that he was a boy, it was, it was like, I knew exactly who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the fear 
of that labor, it just went away. Um, and I, I don't think I really captured perfectly how that labor went. Um, I could probably talk a lot more about it, but yeah, it was, I didn't know that I could be so scared of something. And it sounds so silly because like we all make it through mm -hmm. and, um, but yeah, it was, it was so different than anything I could have ever expected. Um, but yeah, then I, I delivered my own placenta as I had, you know, learned from indie birth, which was really cool. I felt so powerful, like standing up and being like, I need a bowl right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I popped in the shower and as Providence so perfectly works, as I was climbing into bed, my mom walked in the door with my two girls and our friend who had picked her up from the airport. Um, because right before I had started pushing, I looked at my husband and I was like, I want my mom. I want my mom here right now. Mm -hmm. So he texted her and she came home and at, and as I climbed into bed, my mom was there with our girls and, and that's the picture that I sent you. It was just like all of us snuggled in bed and mm -hmm. yeah, it was perfect. It was, it was hard again. I so different, you know, from the other ones, but yeah, those are, those are my stories. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much for sharing all three of your stories of all of your children. Um, yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for allowing me to uh, hold space for you today um, and witness you and hear you tell these um, really powerful and beautiful stories. Um, and is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? That you can't control it that as much as you want to you just you can't control the process that every labor and every baby is so different that you just have to as much as you can let go let go and let your body and your baby do what they need to do and work really hard to just be present and just let whatever happens need to happen <laughs> mm -hmm. Amen to that. Well, yeah, <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much again. I'm so honored um, to have you on today. Um, and yeah, just so grateful for you um, for coming here today and sharing your stories. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Jaden. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.